Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good evening and welcome to episode 15 of Sugar and Silk in conjunction with Ace Podcast Nation. My name is Ben Doughty. My name is Michael Silkalajade. What's going on? Yeah, I'm good, Michael. It's always a, always a pleasure to see your handsome visage. Um, so the biggest talking point. Yeah, you, you don't have to. You don't have to milk that silk. Silk, don't milk. Okay. Um, <laughs> Twice as sweet as chocolate milk. Yeah, indeed. Um, listen, um, the major talking point, certainly on this side of the Atlantic, is last night's, I would call it a shock result, Liam Smith, um, pretty much blowing Chris Eubank Jr. away in four rounds. See, mm-hmm. I've noticed today everybody's a boxing expert the next day and everybody's Nostradamus. And people yes. are saying, oh, if you, know, if you know boxing, it ain't no big shock. But honestly, mm-hmm. it wasn't the result that was a shock to me and the idea that Eubank might lose the fight. You know, he's a good, solid pro, Liam Smith. What surprised me, you know, for obvious reasons, Michael, was the nature of the victory, you know, and that it was a, it was a pretty much a, a clean... Um, KO victory, you know. Um, whereas, you know, Eubank, whatever he may lack, one certainly uh, feels that he's been durable over the years. He stood up to George Groves' shots five years ago, you know, while being roundly schooled. And I just didn't expect that. I don't know what your take and, and your, you know, your pre-existing expectations were. Well, you know, Ben, I'm not familiar with Chris Eubank and his style. Um, so I hadn't really seen him fight a lot. I'd, I'd sparred with his father. Of course, I'd seen his father fight, but this is generations ago. You sparred um, with his dad? Yes. Have you never mentioned that to me before? No, I, I don't know. It was, it's just something, you know, in a fighter's mind, things just like go to the back of your mind. And they never come back until it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. It's just what oh, yeah, yeah. I sort of I should have had a V8 or you know, something jarred somewhere. But, yeah, we, we had sparred, I think, a couple of times down on uh, in New York City, just below um, the Gramercy Street Gym, which was over on the east side. But, anyway, neither here nor there. Um, uh, it was uh, – yeah, I'd never seen him fight before, so it was really kind of interesting to see. I, I wanted to see how he executed um, if he was like his father. And it was funny because I was on the phone with Scully when the fight was happening. 
and we're we're on the we're on the phone, we're texting back and forth, and I was saying, um, talking about the size difference, and you know we we're just mentioning things here and there, and I was like, this is crazy, but he fights incredibly like. Like he's trying to emulate Roy Jones. I had no idea. <laughs> this this was the thing, Michael, because obviously he recently hooked up with Roy Jones the last couple of fights. You know, Roy Jones yeah. has been a trainer. And this is, I think, one of those misconceptions. Um, my, my my dear friend Chrissy, who promotes, uh, she she's the kind of queen of bad boy promotions, the white collar promotion that I've been associated with for, for many years now. And she was talking about Roy Jones being a great trainer. And I said, hang on a second, because I'm always giving her a hard time about any generalization sweeping. <laughs> and I said, well, he's a physical, you know, he was a genius and he was a great fighter, no question. Yes. I said, but why do you think Roy Jones is a great trainer? Lots of people certainly today have opined that Roy Jones was the wrong choice for him. And that it's mm -hmm. far too late in the day when you're 33 years old, like Chris Eubank Jr. is, to start yeah. trying to reinvent yourself, as Roy, particularly yeah. as Roy Jones. Mm -hmm. Using some of Roy's strategies, I think using, you see, when you when you box, it's almost an expression of yourself. It's an expression of you, like you have your physical limitations, you have your physical advantages, but you also have inside, like your your mentally, the way you think, and and um, you know the psychology of you fight who you are. When a person gets in the ring and you see him fighting, they're expressing who they are on the inside. So in no way is Chris Eubank. Roy is in no way has he had his experiences and you know both in the ring and outside the ring the things that color R Roy's character are not what color Chris's character and you have to stay true to your character and that's what fighting does when you see a person when you see Larry Holmes fight Ali no matter, Rocky Marciano no matter who it is you see Mike Tyson they, how they are on the inside is what they're putting out in the ring on the outside and and so to deny that is to deny yourself the real fight. And I and, think you raise. I think you raise a very important point because this is what I said about Eubank uh, after his last performance against Liam Williams, which he won, but it was a rather strange, hot and cold type performance in a yeah. fight that it looked like he was going to end it within the first three yeah. rounds, and yeah, he ended yeah. up making quite a meal out of it. Now, what I said at the time. Um, was that Chris Eubank Jr. is a fighter who doesn't know who he is in the ring. It's like an identity crisis because oh. initially he came out trying to em em emulate his dad. And you know that the media are going to put that on him anyway. He used to come out to the same uh, iconic, you know, Tina Turner song, Simply the Best, because that was always his dad's walking kind uh -huh. of brand identity tune, you know. Uh -huh. uh, I think he did he did abandon that or he certainly seems to have done in recent years because thinking about it, I haven't heard it in recent years. But he was initially trying to emulate the father in many ways with some of those kind of stylings that the dad had um and then you know um he went through he probably thought he was more of a puncher than he actually was in, yeah. in the early days that was probably another yeah. another thing but i don't think he's ever truly discovered who he is inside the ring you know yeah. which is very that's, much that's what you, you were just yeah. breaking down there you know um yeah. so Liam Smith is a good, solid pro. He is a former world champion, but someone said to me today, you know, someone was trying to say it was a class gap thing, and they said there's a reason why Smith was a world champion. And I said, yes, the reason because why Smith... Because he's a Liverpool boy. Well, the re yeah, yeah. Well, the reason why Smith was a world champion is because he came around in an era when world titles yeah. were put in reach of decent sure. domestic fighters, good domestic yeah. fighters who wouldn't have got within sniffing distance in in a bygone yeah. era when the likes of Colin Jones and Tony Simpson fell shy at, at, at the yeah. last hurdle, you know. Sure, yeah. But um, go on. Did you have something to say? No, no, no. I was just agreeing with you. 
Thank you. See, if you could do that more often instead of being so truculent and, and difficult all the time, that would be far more agreeable to me. I don't know what truculent means, but if it's good, I'm there. See, I gave you that one. If you hadn't smashed <laughs> thank that, you, thank you. I'll try to feed Listen, you in um, turn. <laughs> yeah. So, but Smith is a good solid pro. And um, yes. see, the irony is when it first was announced, I did fancy Smith. I thought, you know what? I think he'll upset the Apple cart. Then yeah. I talked myself out of it. Do you you probably don't because you are so single-minded and kind of individualistic. I like to think I am, but I'm already admitting I will let people talk me out of things sometimes. I was because I host this kind of page and I have so yeah. seen so many opinions. Yeah. I come to respect yeah. certain people and their yes. views on rights, perhaps more than others. And sometimes mm -hmm. when I see those people say, "No, Eubank wins this," but and, and he wins it pretty easily, but and I'll tell you why. I actually allowed that to impact on my thinking when my gut instinct actually told me Smith could win the fight. So yeah, yeah. I ended up predicting that Eubank would win on points in a fight that might be controversial. But that was all uh, rendered completely academic when Smith yeah. nailed him with the, with, in boxing, with the left right? In boxing, there are just so many intangibles and you just never know what's going to like evolve when it's, when it's in the ring. Like with with other sports and competitive, especially more or less team sports, what can happen is um, your your shortcomings can be kind of like masked by somebody else doing something great. You can you can have off days, and you can have where you're not exactly a hundred percent. But with boxing and and sports that are very much impact sports, or even tennis, for instance, or sprinting, you don't have that option. You have to be at the top of your game. Now, I don't know what the top of Chris's game looks like, but it looked like he was um, he was questioning himself. I mean, I, I, I have seen um, Smith fight before, and he seemed like, you know, he was solid. He was, you know, he's straightforward. He's purposeful. Nothing like he was going to test you. That's for sure. And – is there any credence in the notion that Eubank was weight drained? Perhaps not from making middleweight this time, but from making 157 pounds because he bloody-mindedly decided to make the weight he said he was going to make for Conor Ben, even though the yeah. fight had already been pulled several days earlier at the public workout stage because of yeah. Conor Ben's failed drug tests. He, yeah. um, as a kind of stunt and, a, and as a kind of self-assertion thing, he he shredded himself down to 157 and took a picture where he looked absolutely kind of emaciated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and some people feel that may have weakened him, just making that 157 that he made even though he didn't fight. Um, do you nah, No, I don't, I don't hold – no, I, I don't think you can hold off that, that victory from Smith on on that on that issue. I mean, I think once you get into – especially once you get into the last – I don't know he agreed to make it. It's a weight that was that was agreeable to him. It's something he'd done before. He certainly had a lot of you know he didn't have to go down to one forty seven or get under one fifty, so he had, he was a lot more comfortable. And that was like what was that at least three months ago, three four it months. October the eighth, he was supposed to fight Conor Ben. Yeah, so he had, his body had more than enough time to recover, and yeah. I just think it was. Uh, it's one of those things like sometimes you just get hit, and if you don't see it or you don't, you, you know what I mean, you don't expect it, or for for some reason. Because I understand from what you had told me, what other people had said that he takes like a pretty good punch. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you just get hit right, and you don't see it, and for some reason you're cold or or stiff. I don't know what it is, and that kind of takes you out people have made much of the fact that as he fell over he was almost in a limbo kind of position yeah mm -hmm. again in the uh, in the corner in his own corner i believe it was. Uh -huh. yeah and mm -hmm. he scrambled straight up as so many fighters have done yes. in the past you know the, yeah. the ego and the sense mm -hmm. of just 
getting yourself back up on your feet and, and reverting to, to battle. Whereas mm -hmm. lots of people have said that he should have taken a knee, he should have composed himself yeah. on that canvas. The thing and, is, Ben, I don't think said Roy that... Jones should have told him that. Roy Jones should, he didn't, was in he the didn't corner. Do, but, told him. I don't think he knew where he was. They see that every individual has instincts in boxing. And 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 your instincts, they're never are your instincts more uh, on like visible than when you're hurt. That's when you really learn an individual's instinct. So so um, things that are innate to some people, like you know, you get hit and you're knocked down, and you know your body can't compute, but you're hearing a count, and it's like okay, you're you're able not through experience, but just you just know where you are, and you tend to. You know, you you kind of try to adapt to the situation. You don't. You know, I've been dropped plenty of times, and and I know that if I would have rushed up, that would have been an issue. Sometimes, I guess it's like everybody absorbs that being knocked unconscious differently. You know what I mean? It's like the particles, the the the, the yeah. um, you know, all the all the um, neurons in the mind, they start to like they're all fizzled and they're apart. Then all of a sudden they're coming back together. And can they come back together quick enough within 10 seconds for you to start functioning and thinking? That's something, you know, totally different because there are balance knockdowns, right? Whereas you get hit and the brain sloshes over to the side and you lose your balance. And, you know, when guys get all like, you know, when they get discombobulated. Yeah, I remember when Zab Judah got hit by Kostya Zoo yeah. and one leg goes this way, this goes that way. He knows exactly where he is. He sees everything. It means absolutely normal, but he has no muscle, is it, no function. Is it? And it's a different and and it's a different knockout, right? Than when you get hit and and like all the power goes off and all the like and again the neurons and all those things that are firing have to start firing again. They're numbified, and then all of a sudden you've got ten seconds for those things to turn back on again, and then you recognize where you are. And then you pick up the count, and then you see the opponent, and then you're getting your physical body back together. It's 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 a difficult thing, and it's not that like you can't say a fighter is a bum because he can't take a punch. It's like those that that those uh, electrons, neurons, whatever they are, they just didn't turn on in time, and that's all there is to it. Yeah. Um, where does Eubank go from here? Do you feel? I mean, it's. I think that the Conor Ben fight is probably dead in the water. That ship has sailed. Which I mean, and if it hasn't, then they're being very cynical, trying to trying to peddle that kind of um, yeah. nostalgia-based kind of concept they were going for in the first place. Even when both of them were, were hot, you know, before yeah, the drug yeah. scandal, before yeah, this yeah. defeat. I mean, can he? Um, I don't suppose he'd want to go out on that note, but I do wonder. I think the simple, brutal truth is that every time he has stepped up, Chris Eubank has lost. And, you know, he's not, he isn't his father. And perhaps he doesn't fully know who else he might be. And I don't yeah. really know what else there is for him to do in, in this game at the minute, unless it is a rather, you know, remarkable comeback to yeah. a level that he never really attained. The, well, from the first time I saw him, which was last night, and I saw him fight, I'd never even seen highlights of him before. Um, I would say his motor skills, like his fight skills were a little challenged, and I'm not exactly sure why. I don't know if he's fought for a long time. I don't know his amateur experience, if he's had any amateur experience at all. He had amateur He had amateur fights. He boxed out in the States a lot, and he boxed in Brighton, um, Brighton and Hove over here. How many fights do you know? I think probably about 25, something like that, Michael. Yeah, um, that's not very much. That's not do very you know much. what? 
I know, I remember when he was amateur and he was supposed to fight John Ryder when I, I used to be um, a club mate of John Ryder uh, at Angel Boxing Club in North London. He was supposed to fight Eubank and they said Eubank didn't turn up for whatever reason. That happens in the amateurs and it's not such a big deal, is it? Yeah, It's a big deal, but yeah. it, it, it flies. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it does It does tell you something. If it was an agreed upon fight and he didn't show up and then doesn't give you an ex doesn't give you a reason why he didn't show up, that that absolutely is um, character defining, a character defining trait. As as a fighter, basically, when you say you're going to fight somebody, if you don't show up, I don't care what stage it is. I don't care if it's sparring or if it's uh, if it's a competitive fight in the ring. If you say you're going to be there to fight somebody, it's character defining. It tells you something about an individual. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. His confidence. You know, yes, sir. I don't. I don't want to get too sidetracked. Um, and yeah. before we before we address the upcoming fight with Yard and Beterbiev next Saturday, you talk yeah. about not showing up for a fight, right? And saying that's unforgivable under any circumstances. I remember Frankie Gavin was supposed to fight a French geezer called Hortes on what would have been. Might have even been Box Nation back in the day, that Frank Warren's boxing-specific channel that he had before he signed the deal with BT Sport. And at the time, Frankie Gavin, who was a wonderfully talented fighter, he's the only British amateur ever to win the World Amateur Championships, which says an awful lot. He is thought not to have fulfilled his potential as a pro, although he was a British champion, you know, and he was... um, our European title challenger and a Commonwealth champion. So he achieved things that most, the vast majority of professionals from this country would absolutely love to have achieved. But because he was so special as an amateur, um, he was thought to be a relative failure, kind of like Mark Breland syndrome, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, he was training with Jimmy and Mark Tibbs at the old TKO gym in Canning Town, East London, mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, it, I was around the gym on a, on a daily basis at, at that time. Is that... They call me Mr. Tibbs, not that Tibbs. Um, I, no, no, but it, I, I know who you're talking about. No, but he's Sydney um, Jim, 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 Poitier. They call me okay. Mr. Tibbs, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah that was bad. <laughs> um, we'll have to make that link work someday. Um, the next time I mention Jimmy Tibbs, Jimmy Tibbs is, is arguably the greatest or the most decorated. If you believe in the notion that trainers are decorated, Jimmy Tibbs is up there in terms of his yeah. body of work fighters mm-hmm. in this country. When you, t- I think he should get on the Hall of Fame ballot, certainly. But yes, that's something. Sure. And every country is like that. If you've got a great trainer, that makes the fighter absolutely. So anyway, he was training Frankie Gavin with the, with Mark and Jimmy at the time. This is what happened, right? He gets to, I believe, the fight was in Manchester, okay, um, mm-hmm. and he's and he's on the day. He's weighed in the day before. It's on the morning of the fight. He's got stuff going on with what people over here call the baby mother, you know, the, the, the woman that he's not with anymore or oh. is with and isn't with, but he has a child with her. Baby mama. So, yeah, supposedly um, he finds out uh, that his child, the child they have wasn't his. That's that's the story yeah. I heard. And yeah. he found out on the morning of the fight and he just uh, knocked on Jimmy Tibbs' door, you know, in the hotel they were staying in and says, Jimmy, I'm not fighting. 
And then Jimmy just looked at him. Supposedly, Jimmy looked at him and said, well, if you're not fighting, you better fuck off then, aren't you? And then he just went. And that was the last, I think that's possibly the last time they ever spoke. Do you know that? Um, <laughs> um, Great story. Yeah. I love it. You have to wear a lot of hats as a trainer, right? You know, mother, psychologist. Jimmy said, Jimmy, yeah. I think Jimmy could see he was so serious and he wasn't going to change his mind. And he was disgusted by the fact he wasn't going to fight. What's your take on that? You find out something as devastating as that, if that was what happened on the morning of the fight and you don't fight, would you, could you ever countenance that or would you just get on with it at all costs? Um, I think once you've signed the contract and you said you're going to do it, you're going to do it, even though you know the beating is inevitable, as a person who signed a contract and the person of your word, you have to go through with it. Like, I mean, I've certainly, I've certainly had a fight <laughs> or two where I wish I would have and I, and I felt in my mind like maybe this isn't the best thing to do right now, but like that's just that's just how the mob flops and um, and and I guess if you're, I mean it it does take a very it's a selfish act and it's something that should be ignited inside of you because you know what it's fighting and it's self preservation, but at the same time there's something inside of you that says, you know what I mean? It's it, you've signed a contract. This is your word, and, and that kind of like oversees everything unfortunately because i know if i know if i were a little bit more shrewd it would certainly have you know everything turns out different depending on the decisions you make do you know there was another fight victor galindez and mike rossman the jewish bomber they yes. did the fight one time do you remember this story when they were supposed to fight it was the rematch i believe yeah. Yeah. in las vegas mike ayala boxed on the undercard it was yes. 1979 um mm -hmm. I believe it was 79, it could have been 78, but either way, Mike was on the undercard and he boxed. Clinton McKenzie from England, who also boxed Sugoi Leonard in the 1976 Olympics, was also on this card. But anyway, they didn't fight. Rossman was waiting in the ring and Galindez never came. Galindez <laughs> never arrived um, because yeah. there was an argument about one of the judges. And they were, I think it was one of the judges, one of the you know officials, mm -hmm. and they weren't mm -hmm. having it. So he was waiting like 10 or 15 minutes for this guy in the ring. And yeah. that fight didn't happen, which must be... Um, yeah. you know, that must be an extraordinary situation to be in. Sure, yeah, and, and on Galindez, man, he, he has some cojones to, to to do that to stand up because more or less, you're, you're potentially your whole world is it's all you're never fighting again. It's a world title fight. The people who sanction the bouts and all of that, the promoters, everyone's losing money on this TV. Nobody wants to see you again. That's that's uh, it's commendable and it's crazy. Before we switch to the light heavyweight championship fight in London at the weekend, do we require more of an ending or a denouement to the Conor Ben Liam Smith situation? Is there anything to add? You feel just to wrap that up? I mean, I think you know, um, in terms of Eubank, I mean, he really realizes. I think with this, he realizes what his potential and what his what his reality is in boxing. So. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he never fought again. Um, I, I don't see any reason, you know, as a career fighter, sometimes once something like that happens to you, it so clearly defines you that it opens the gates of hell to all the other guys coming up behind him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Once, once they've seen you hurt, once they've seen you hurt that bad, all of a sudden you're getting 100% of people, whereas you would have been getting 60% of them before. You're getting 100% of the energy, their intent, they think everything's absolutely winnable because you know what I mean? This guy hits you with the kryptonite and they think, Miller, he doesn't hit his heart. So they're just coming at you hard. 
So unless he's unless he's willing to go back to like square one and really put roots down in the game and really have a trainer that's going to be on him every single minute that he's in the gym to make the right kind of uh, to 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 bring out the right attributes that he needs to show in the fight, it's a wrap. He's only going to get. Uh, hopefully, he has money put aside and everything, and he has another calling. He has something else he likes to do that he, that he can earn money with. Um, otherwise, it's hard unless he could be a trainer himself. I'm sure. I, I think you may be right, and we'll, we'll await you know future developments in, in his career with interest. That's for Smith, though, right? What do you think? Well, Smith, you know, I mean, he, he he's put himself in a good position, having won what was a which a huge domestic. Well, it was built as a huge domestic grudge match, and we had the handbags at the press conference of uh, Smith insinuating Eubank was gay, and then yeah. Eubank retaliating with the "I've heard you cheat on your wife." Yeah. And that's half the battle when you, you know, it doesn't matter about titles on the line, especially not in this era because they've been rendered so, you know, kind of ubiquitous and, and sometimes a little bit meaningless. But it was he, he has put himself on a big platform now, having won that fight, and he will he will get bigger opportunities from that. I think he's I think he's a good domestic level fighter. Some people would think that's a dirty word or I'm insulting him, and I've got no right to say that, you know, about a guy who was a WBO champion. But I think that's what I think. I think he's a high end well-schooled, domestic-level fighter, you know, and I think he yeah. could... I mean, obviously, you know what, Michael, people... Well, you are know what, Ben? He could get a, he could, he could get one of the, the Charles... Another shot. Yeah. He could get yeah. another shot, and if he gets one, great, give him more power to him. But listen... And he can do it in England and get good money and get a lot of people behind him, I'm sure. I'm sure he'd sell out over there in England with Charlo coming over. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And But people are also yeah. naturally going to think about him and Conor Ben because Conor Ben will be back soon everything every indication from his kind of cocksure pose That's on social crazy. media and everything he's saying and he's posting up pad videos where he's looking sharp as a razor and he's saying yeah. patient waiting you wait and see keep the same energy when 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 my name is cleared so he's gonna be That's back crazy, my how they just how they just whitewash it though it's just like it's, they are whitewashing it they are whitewashing it you know insane. and him and his dad too listen him and his dad were, made a tasteless video um, where they were giggling at Eubanks' loss and saying it wouldn't have gone more than two rounds. Nigel Benn, particularly, who's his birthday today, by the way, so happy birthday, Dark Destroyer. He it was very unbecoming of a man of his, of his, you know, reputation and standing mm -hmm. to be. If you if you saw the video, Danny Connor sent it to me, a, a former um, Southern Area yeah. champion, friendly with. He sent it to me, and it was just really low end. You know, I mean, it was really low brow. Um, and a bit disappointing. Can I, can I put it up? Say again. Can Sai can Sai put it up? He he might be able to. If you can, you know what? I could have sent it to him. I could have sent him that goddamn video in my in WhatsApp because <laughs> it's in my WhatsApp. Yeah, see if you can find it, Sai. But don't 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 knock yourself out or anything like that. Um, in any case, um, moving on to yeah. next weekend. Uh, I I I got a chance to meet up with your friend of mine, Iceman John Scully last nice. night which is always a treat because the only time i ever met him physically before that was uh, yeah. in vegas um about seven yeah. you know seven no longer than yeah. seven years ago 2014 it's more nearly yeah. nine years ago john is and, john uh, is the fighter's greatest asset he's a great you man. said that and i think you're right he he is yeah. he, he fulfills that function i think in the world mm. where he is that he is that man who he's like no an investor yeah, and an envoy for for boxers, you know, yeah, press the press. Nobody else does it. No, I, I don't think any other fighters have the 
like it's the actual like mental capacity to get it done, not just the thought, like good thoughts are good thoughts, but the actual to physically do the deed of like getting whatever you're getting and 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 talking to people and getting interest in it and packaging it and then bringing it, delivering yeah. it on the door of, of you know, of five, great Wolford Benitez. I mean, it's it's insane what, he, what he's done for fighters. And, and he takes care of a lot of fighters who aren't as – you know, as hurt as as um as Wilfred is as Il- as Wilfred is as well. He just does a lot for any fighter that needs anything. That's the first stop. Sorry, John, if that's <laughs> if that's too much, and every fighter starts knocking on your door. But on this occasion, he was in he was in London because next week, it, yeah, he's part of the Artur Baturbiev's training setup, and they're getting yes. ready to fight Anthony Yard. So, oh, listen, by the way, okay then. Simon has got the clip of Conor Ben and Nigel Ben gloating over the defeat. Should we run to that quickly before we carry on our conversation about Baturbi Evan? Go ahead, Simon, if you have it. As soon as you see him smile, that smile on his face, you know it's not going to be good. Exactly. Is that Kanye? <laughs> Maybe. In the hat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're back. By the way, guys, let, let me know if that worked because it didn't work for me and Michael, but that may, you viewers at home may have got that perfectly. I don't know if that worked or not, but if it worked, it worked. Regardless, um, <sighs> Anthony Yard, I've known him since he was a young teenage amateur. He was extraordinarily dedicated. I don't know if I can remember a day at the gym where I didn't see him when he wasn't training, wasn't weighing himself obsessively before the workout and after the workout, whether his trainer was present or not. He had that look about him, as well as being you know, an impressive physical specimen, he had that look about him that he was a kid who was going somewhere because he wanted it that bad. And, you know, he's, um, and he's done well. You know, I mean, his... He was a little green when he fought Sergei Kovalev back in 2020. I believe it was August 2020. And some people thought his trainer left something to be desired in terms of the advice he was being given in the corner. I know Bob Aram certainly famously lampooned Tundi Ajayi for, for being out of his depth as far as he was concerned. Uh, Yard has rehabilitated himself since. With, he, he lost to a guy called Lyndon Arthur and lost his British title. Then he came back. With, you talk about making adjustments and coming back in a rematch and taking care of business and righting the wrongs. He certainly did that when he stopped Lyndon Arthur in four rounds in a rematch. He's had a what you might call more of a routine win since then. And he goes into this fight with, if he's not the best light heavyweight in the world, then he's certainly number two. And that's very much a live argument right now as to whether Dmitry Bovol is the premier light heavyweight in the world or whether it is Scully's man, Baturbiev. It's hard. Oh, I don't know how much you've seen of Yard, Michael, but it's hard It's hard to be too optimistic about Yard's chances going into the fight, yeah. one feels. Yeah. It feels to me like this is a um, spitter get off the pot fight for Yard. Like, they really want to see what he's got. The manager's not going to continue to feed into it until... It shows he can beat somebody of of uh, uh, of prevalence uh, of like you know greatness or or an excellent fighter, and I believe in looking at Yard, he would be better off fighting 
the other light heavyweight that my punching mind isn't coming to. What? <laughs> Bivol. Bivol. Yeah, Bivol. He's much he's much better off fighting Bivol than he is Baturbiev. It's not a good matchup for him, I don't think, this fight. No, not from what I've seen. Well, because you think Yard is going to engage him and he's going to go to him and be aggressive and he's going to walk into a whole lot of pain. He doesn't... I don't see Yard as having that... I haven't, Again, I don't know his career and how he fights, uh, but I've seen a couple of fights of his and he doesn't seem to me to have those kinds of instincts nor those kind of attributes. It's a different fighter altogether. I, he doesn't seem to me as a fighter that knows how to move in and out of range. He's there. And if you're there against Baturbiev, you're going to get destroyed. He he hits hard, Yard. I guess he could turn something over, and and who knows what could happen. But those are just like those are the yeah. far reaches of of potential of we, something potentially happening. We did see Baturbiev floored by Callum Johnson back in I believe it was 2019, mm -hmm. but a la kind of Felix Trinidad type scenario in his heyday. Arturo yeah. got up and took care of business. We have seen him flawed, so we know he can, we know he can be hit and we know he can be hurt. So sometimes a fighter gets flawed and says he wasn't hurt. There might be a distinction there, but you know what I mean. <laughs> we know that it's possible to put dent in him. Yard is capable of doing that. Yeah. I, I agree with you. But I spoke to Scully about just how hard Baturbiev hits, and I asked mm -hmm. him, is he the hardest punching light heavyweight he's ever seen and if Simon will do me the honour of putting the clip on, this is what he had to say about the sheer force, the blunt force trauma of his man's uh -huh. punching power we're going to yes. get that clip up hopefully uh, Do you think he's I the hardest punching light heavyweight you've ever seen? He is only because I talk to all the guys who fight him and spar him you know, yeah. as often as I can and they all are just flabbergasted I remember I always tell a story I tell two stories to illustrate it I remember one guy was there good fighter I'm not gonna say his name but he was a good fighter but we would know him you'd know him. yeah <laughs> good fighter yeah high level yeah. and he uh, every day he was counting down the day he'd be like all right only four more 14 more days to go just to get through the yeah camp. he was like he was just blurting it out I don't even think he meant to say it he just be like 12 more days man 12 more days and one day, though, he, he got hit with a shot. And it wasn't a big looking shot, but he got hit with a shot. And I never saw this in my whole life. He stepped back and he screamed and he said, this can't be good for me. And he went home the next day. Literally, he didn't stay for the game. That was it. He was out of there. And uh, just so the, the power every day, every day, every day was just building on his brain. He was so ready to go home. And that one punch sent him home. <laughs> you heard that? I'd never heard that before, but that's hilarious. I, I, I did. Um, yeah, I definitely got what John was saying. The job of a, the, of a sparring partner is hell. When you're as a sparring partner, you're brought in to spar with somebody who's the main event. Yeah. Uh, if they're paying for you to be there, oh my god! Right away, it's right away. It's not good because one, you realize you're not on the skill level of this guy and you're really being brought in just to sharpen the dude. So, yeah. Some guys, they'll, you'll, they'll bring you in as sparring partners and they think, you know, they're, they're prideful. So they still feel it's about them and they'll, and they'll give you hell. But there are yeah. some guys, it's just a certain mentality boy. And, and they're just better sparring than they are in a fight and they'll come at you. But, but this one right here makes me laugh because yeah, I get it. I, I absolutely get it. Fortunately, I've always been in my sparring sessions. 
um, with the exception of Eubanks and a few other guys that I've worked with, um, like Donnie Alon and, you know, all, all the other guys you sparred back in the day, it's like they, they feel their upside too. So then it gets a little bit crispy. Yeah, exactly. And that that's what I was, the distinction, when I had a, uh, did a live with Scully yesterday, I was yeah. talking the distinction between, you know, if, 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 you, if you and me spar and you're better than me, several levels above me, yeah. and we're just sparring in the gym because um, you're helping me out, whatever, trying to bring me on, then you're supposed to go nice and easy with me and you're yeah. supposed to just see what I can do. But yeah. if you're paying me to spar with you, then it's okay for you to take licks at me and to give me a hard yeah. time to get yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. where you need to be, you know, in your yeah, preparation yeah. because you, you, it's danger money, isn't it? That's what you're getting. It's, yeah, it really is. You're getting paid to be hit and it's, it's so... It's so brutal. The The guy who gets paid to be a sparring partner, I think that's probably the most brutal occupation because one, the fighter says, I'm paying you and I'm going to brutalize you how I feel comfortable on that day. And there's nothing you're going to do about it. You know, um, yeah. that's that's a, the hardest way to make money. It's like the, there are guys that who are professionally, they just do exactly that. That's all they do. They go around and they spar with guys. They'll get a fight on their undercard. And, you know, they'll win, they'll lose, it doesn't matter. But they're hired as sparring partners. And they have to do that, uh, you know, to earn their living. That is the most brutal since this movie I saw. I remember Boxcar Bertha, where, where there was a guy who was fighting. It was a bare-knuckle fight. He had to take every time. He was, I know, it was crazy. Yeah. You, may, you may remember that movie, you may not. But it's the most brutal way to have to earn a living, I think, going. And your brain doesn't know the difference between a punch you took in the gym or one you took yeah, under the lights. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, I mean, look, the gloves are heavier, which means the punches are harder. Weight plus bleed equals power. You know, you're getting hit with an 8-ounce glove or a 10-ounce glove. Yeah, it hurts. You get hit with a 16-ounce glove and it's thrown with the same velocity. You know, it's it's heavier. That's all there is to yeah. it. You know, listen, some people try to um, make an issue out of the fact that Baturbiev is no spring chicken. He's 37 years old. But when I spoke to the Iceman about that yesterday, he said that it's not mm -hmm. a huge development factor because mm -hmm. the guy is such a Spartan, devout Muslim. He said he's never been in a bar, literally. Not that he's never had a drink yeah. in his life. He said that that's a given. He said, yeah. but he's probably never even been in a bar or a nightclub ever. And um, yeah. he he doesn't have a lot of mileage on the clock, you know, in, in his professional career. Sure. And, um, and I think we are, is it true that we're seeing people performing to their late 30s much better than they used to a couple of eras previously, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think, well, it, with Beferbiev, yes, living a clean life has helped him. But um, so not only superficially beneath as well, right? So, so like his system is still, you know, I'm sure probably pretty pure and working like high performance. There's no... There's no, he doesn't sway in between fights, whereas he goes from this like drastic way of living and coming back center. He's always right here, down the line. Um, he's always I've learning. I've never asked so, you this, but I've never asked you this. Did you used to party back in the in your heyday? No. <laughs> oh, you no, as much, as much as the image would say I, I would. I, yeah. I, I no. really wish I would have now, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I've been to my, I've been to my share of really like cool places but most of it was daytime and hanging with people and it was chill it was always clean i i can't even remember getting decadent and and getting my mind blown out i never drank and did drugs and all of us that kind of stuff it, it, it just wasn't you no no but this weekend for brunch i did have a rum and coke for brunch what kind for of brunch, yeah. Yeah. it's okay, madness yeah. <laughs> 
I want to see how the better half did it. Yeah, I, you know what? It, it doesn't surprise me, to be honest with you. I, I didn't think you would have been. Like you said, your whole style and profile would have lent itself to a hectic macho type of kind of... My, my, wife, friend, my wife is just hearing that. She was walking by. She goes, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, yeah. that's another she thing. She can't believe that I didn't do this. She's like, you, she can't believe it. Yeah, well... You know, um, that's another thing you're very private about your private life. You know, you don't you don't publicize things like that. You know, some people are quite everything's out front in this day and age and social media. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you, you, you don't really advertise the fact, you know, the family life. It, it, your brand is your brand. And I think it, um, it doesn't surprise me that you were level headed and basically not a decadent person. I think, you're, you know, your kind of decadence went into your, your way of presentation and your style and your fashion sense and everything else. But in any case, if, if you were going to make a prediction uh, for next week, um, yeah. precisely, it'll, it'll give you money to actually bet on the fight. What are you going to call it? I would say the Terbiev between three and five rounds. So you don't expect it to get to, to extend into the you know championship rounds by any stretch? So. Because I, I believe the kid's going to be right in front of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, don't, I don't see him as having the skills, unfortunately. Like, the matchup is perfect for Baterbiev to do what he does. I, 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 at no point have I seen Yard show me head movement that he's going to slip punches. Um, he's going to be very much there in front of him. And does he have the resilience to stand up under the kind of heat that Baterbiev is going to bring? I'm like, absolutely not. It's impossible. I don't know anybody that couldn't get their mandible separated from the rest of their skull if this guy hits them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just not going to happen. And, and um, yeah, that's, that's, it, it's, uh, it's quite, uh, a mountain they put in front of him. And uh, I think the best thing is he can do in this sense. I mean, sometimes obviously he thinks he's going to win and that's the job of a fighter and, and more glory to him if he does. But sometimes what you got to do is you at least have to, when it's this type of fight and you, and he doesn't know it's going to be this type of fight, but his trainers at least have to tell him, you need to go out on your shield. You need to make this thing like, a barn burner for as long as it's going to last. You just have to, you know what I mean? Because, because that way you get like the, the public empathizers is sympathetic towards you and they want to see you again, or you do something good for your brand. But if you just wilt under the heat, you're not going to get, you know, yeah. there's no upside well, to that. That's what I feel David Avenition did when he fought Crawford back at the mm -hmm. tail end of last year. You know, he, he put it all on the line and he, he did his best. And, you know, I thought he, I thought he, he, he gave, Crawford some riddles to solve yeah. for six rounds, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, yeah. he, he went out on his shield. The, yeah. the absolute diametric uh, opposite of that, of course, would be Johnny Nelson when he fought Carlos de Leon. I don't know if you remember that fight. It's one of those things. It's remembered sheerly for its stultifying lack of activity, you know, one of, <laughs> one of the most low, low punch output, most boring fight championship yeah, fights. Yeah. Uh, and you know, for for many years after that, um, Johnny Nelson said his name was Mud, and it it was very very difficult for him to overcome the stigma of that fight. Do you yeah. know Junior Witter never lived down his performance against Zab Judah, which I actually thought was 
a great performance coming in at six days' notice. Or, you know what? I think it was 10 days' notice to fight Zeb yeah. Judah on the yeah. Mike Tyson Lou Severisi card back in 2001. Yeah. You're talking about one of the pound for pound premier fighters at the time in the world. Yeah, and, Zeb was incredible talent. And he went the distance with Zeb when he had no kind of real springboard into that fight that told you he was mm -hmm. going to do as well as he did but because he was you know defensive and awkward and all the rest of it and he didn't exactly set the world alight in doing it the people mm -hmm. frank warren always said he couldn't make hatton versus witter that was the the big grudge match in the uk that never was yeah. because he said the american executives at showtime won't hear witter's name after that performance against judah and it took him a long yeah. time to live it down and i thought that was very unfair michael because yeah. witter yeah. went on a run of 16 stoppages or something like that in a row it was something like 15 mm -hmm. or 16 stoppages in a row after that and he was in very good form he won the european title in devastating form and you know something yeah. ricky hatton didn't want to fight him he did not fancy that fight he always said it was because he didn't like Witter and he didn't want to give him the payday and he was irrelevant mm -hmm. and all the rest of it yeah, but ultimately yeah, yeah. they fancy that the upside versus the downside yeah so you don't want to give him the payday it's like you're going to get paid too it's not like it's a one-sided road <laughs> You know what I mean? You know exactly. I mean? It's like it's not like a benevolence fund, is it? You know, but yeah, yeah, but, it's certainly not. <laughs> it's certainly not. No, it's interesting because I remember you just recently, uh, a few minutes ago, you were talking about the uh, uh, Terbiev maybe being the greatest puncher in the light heavyweights or something like that. I'm like, I remember watching Bob Foster's not myself, like later, obviously. Bob yeah. Foster knocked out, obviously, of Corey, and that left hook he had was a scythe. Like, he even buzzed Ali. You know, Ali got buzzed. He got hit hard when uh, against Bob Foster, and, and, and Ali was able to hold the greatest shot or one of the greatest shots of any heavyweight. Um, Michael Spinks was an incredible puncher. Like, yeah. the, like, people don't realize how hard that man hit. His uppercuts and his hooks was just, yeah, Michael Spinks. Uh, Michael Spinks is an incredible puncher. And he, for me, is one of the hardest punching light heavyweights of all time. And then, of course, there was Saad Muhammad. What about Archie Moore? I haven't seen it. His record says exactly that. Yes, he is. And I tend to believe, I, I believe that record. I mean, he would have to be. Um, I, I'd never seen him fight any of those glorious fights that he fought where he knocked guys out and um but yeah absolutely a great puncher his record says it undeniable yeah. so you, but for me those three and and beterbiev is a, is a great puncher obviously but once you start getting into the upper let's see how he punches against not yard but let's see how he punches against uh bebo this is the thing you see michael because when you talk about punching power and you talk about knockout wins, today mm -hmm. is the 50th anniversary of Foreman Frazier won. And, you know, it's like a Deontay Wilder type situation when some people say he's the hardest puncher in heavyweight history. There's quite a lot of advocates for that belief, okay, for that view. Yeah, but I don't think that at all. There's a, difference between, there's a difference between knocking out wrecking Joe Frazier and knocking yeah. out a bunch of people that Deontay Wilder's knocked out, true? Yes. And why don't people understand that, Ben? I don't get that. It's like the quality of the opponent you fight is absolutely different. They think everyone takes the same punch. Well, guess what? A guy who's experienced with boxing knows how to take, knows how to roll with that punch, knows how to take the edge off it, or knows how to not get, or deflect it, or not get hit with it at all. It's like you're, it renders your power irrelevant, especially if it's a predictable right hand. So, you know, you know what to do with it every single time. That's why you get a guy sometimes who scores a bunch of impressive KOs at a certain level. Then when he steps yeah. up to what you might call world class, he, he suddenly yeah, stops yeah. getting KOs. 
because yeah. he's yeah. a different kind of animal. See, a lot of time, and, and also conversely, there are a lot of guys that are really great punchers, and they and but they're not great finishers. So they may yes. not have the record of like you know, twenty five wins and twenty four knockouts. They just don't know how to finish a guy when they hit him, or maybe they don't know how to chance transfer that punch to the point of detonation, the point where it needs to be in order to be effective. But they're certainly still great punchers. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Pinkman Thomas, who we, we've talked about getting on this show at some point. Yes. He yep. he said that Trevor Burbick hit harder with a single shot than Mike Tyson did. I know fighters say some strange things, eccentric things about their experiences in the ring, but that was his take on it. He said yeah, it was yeah. Burbick yeah. could punch harder with a single shot. And in his uh, in defense of his claim, he said if you look at the, his knockout loss to Mike Tyson in 1987, he said that the guy had to hit him about 20 times to get rid of him. You know, yeah. which is true. Well you, you, well, you know, yeah, that's true. And then in defense of Mike, you also have to realize that Pinklin Thomas is getting hit. Um... Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I, I don't know. Trevor Burke, I just don't think, is who is he's strong. And he was a, he was a strong puncher. He was very, very much a strong man. But um, I don't know. For some reason, I don't know. I don't think Mike, he got... He got the best of Mike, but he didn't. Uh, yeah, there's no way that Trevor is a harder puncher than Mike. If you if you remember, I just say if you can remember the punch, that means you weren't. If you can remember who hit you harder, then obviously the guy didn't really hit him that hard or as hard as you could have. And we've spoken um, about it before. There's different. There's yeah, different ways. It got. What were you about to say? No, no, I said you're exactly right. We have. We've discussed this before. And I just, you know, it's, um, I, if there's one thing that Mike is, he's a pure puncher. I mean, he was definitely a wrecking ball. And, and he had, he was skilled and he had all the rest of that too. But then again, who am I to say Pinklin? This is Pinklin's experience. And I, I wouldn't get in the ring and test Mike or, you know, I wouldn't say Mike hit me with your best shot and Trevor hit me with your best shot. I wouldn't be up for that to say see, who's a better puncher. See, that's the thing. I'm less, slightly less opinionated about power, relative power at the highest level, especially yeah. when I talk several leagues above my level in division. <laughs> you know, that I can't make the call when somebody says to me they think that Foreman hit harder than Wilder or Shavers or Liston or Tyson or, or whatever else. I mean, you can make educated kind of assumptions like yeah. Mike did with Bourbon. And Tyson, yeah. you know, he did not uh, hit harder, but he hit more effectively. George Foreman had options, and uh, George Foreman created his own options and positioned himself differently. And and he there's a lot of subtleties to a lot of things George does, and and there's some subtleties to what uh, some effective subtleties to what Wilder does, but generally you know what it is. And if you and if you're able to take it. You take away that right hand. So far, in all the fights we've seen, I don't know what Malik Scott may be doing with him now. Maybe he's going to show a left hook or you know body shots or something. 
But so far in all that we've seen, we know that Wilder can only do it one way with the right hand. And so if you yep. if if you're if you're a talented heavyweight, you know how if you're a talented fighter, you know how to shut that, you know how to take away that advantage. Whether Andy Ruiz does or not is another thing altogether. Well, I tend where to, are we at with that fight, Michael? Well, because it, it's been a long time marinated in this particular situation. Yeah, are, uh, yeah. I've seen that it looks like it will go ahead. I can't remember the projected date, but do you know what mm -hmm. the actual bottom line on that fight at the moment is? is no, I, I do not. But but I, but I believe that the Wilder camp is down with it, and so the Ruiz camp. But it looks like it looks like it's a pretty definite thing. I don't know if any contracts are signed. Um, who do you think in terms of uh, who do you favor in that fight? I was going to ask you that, and now you beat me to the punch. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? I, That's what I'm I known think, for. I, yes. Um, I think a, a motivated, fit Ruiz could, could win that fight. I mean, I would if, he, if, if, if I'm convinced that he's in shape and motivated and focused, then I would probably pick – I'd probably stick my neck out and pick Ruiz to nullify what kind of shape, or Round shape or what kind of shape are you talking about? What, what his shape? Yeah, exactly. Because you're, what you're going to try and argue here is – you're always in shape, you're just not with the best, most optimum shape that you should be in. You're always in some kind of shape, right? You know, yeah, even in shape. shape. Yeah. What yeah, shape yeah. is he going to be in? Um, yeah, I, I – um, oh, so sorry. Did you express all you wanted to express about I, that? I, 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 I would tend to fancy Ruiz if he was at the very top of his game. The Ruiz – and, and why do you fancy Ruiz? In because that? I think he could take maybe – in theory, uh, get inside on Wilder and take away those long levers and not get at the end of that power. And uh, I think he's got the power himself to clip Wilder and, and to make those yeah. bird legs go for exactly. a bit of a... He definitely has the power, yeah. Yes? It's, it's, it's dangerous. I think it's an extremely dangerous task for Ruiz coming in because Ruiz would have to come in. He obviously can't take steps back and he can't stay in one place. He can't stay in front of him. That's the most dangerous place he can be. So he has to work in. And as he has to come in, he's like, he's obviously um, adding to Wilder's power coming in. And I'm not sure of Ruiz's head movement. Like, is he going to have the head movement? Is he doing the homework he has to do to be able to get inside and then do what he has to do against Wilder? Because don't forget, every time the bell rings, they're apart again. Every time they were in a clinch, they separate. He has to come back in again. So the odds of him coming in and and um, having the skills and the, and the ability to get inside and do what he has to do to Wilder is – is slim and him fighting him at range. I don't think that happens. I don't think that's a good thing for him either. Um, I, but I do, I do favor Wilder in this fight, but not for those reasons. I favor him in this fight because his reflex is just so like his reflex and his intent. He has the ability to let his punches go. And, and Ruiz hasn't shown me the kind of defense that would say he's not going to land Wilder's not going to land. That's what I figured you were suggesting. You, you, you. Regardless of what advantage your skills that Ruiz might have, you don't think he's going to avoid getting tagged for twelve rounds. Yeah, ultimately. yeah, yeah. And when he does, he's going to get tagged, and and if he gets tagged, he's gonna he's gonna feel it. At the same time, though, Ruiz does have the punch to to knock Wilder out. Absolutely, and if he hurts him, he'll finish him. I I think absolutely. I think it's a it's a pretty intriguing heavyweight matchup, isn't it? And I think yeah, it's a yes. shame to see more of these just because they're not for a championship, they're not for a, a piece of hardware. 
yeah, I think yeah. it would, the game would be more healthier uh, yeah. if we were able to watch these fights without because an awful lot of news does seem to revolve around why guys aren't fighting or why they can't fight when they said they were going to. Josh Taylor, by the way, he, he was. Um, I thought there was a date nailed on for the rematch of Jack Catterall. Uh, with everybody being, you know, the world and his brother thinking that yeah, Taylor lost yeah. last time at Catterall yeah. and got a gift of a decision. And mm -hmm. uh, they were both ringside last night. They clashed at one point. But the news anyway is that Taylor's sustained a pretty bad injury to his foot. I can't remember what it's called, but it's something that sounds quite, you know, it's it's quite well, a, a... To his foot? To his yeah, foot? He, he hurt his foot in a fight? No, he's he, he must have done it in training or outside the ring somehow. He hasn't oh, fought since oh, he last okay. So he sustained an injury, which means that their initial date, which I think was sometime in March, is, is now postponed. And I wouldn't be surprised if that rematch never actually happens because Taylor was looking pretty full in the face or a little fuller in the face last night when uh, sighted at ringside. I know he uh, killed hey, Excuse me, excuse me. Are you body shaming? Uh, Fighters are I, people too. Yeah. And they're probably, very sensitive. Do you know what? Literally, the shame. The, the, sorry, the, the the stream has probably been shut down. It probably flags. There's probably certain kind of you know what they call algorithms when they hear yes. something like full in the face. You know, sensitive. You know, stuff like that. And we're probably mm -hmm. talking to nobody right now because Facebook's probably shut us down in this new crazy you know woke culture that we all live in. You know. <laughs> do, do you know that they're spying on us, don't you? Because you know that the CIA are watching this right now, and they've got a yeah, file on you on me. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, are England and the United States are still compatible, right? Um, I believe so, yeah. Diplomatically compatible. Yeah. Um, I would think so. And, uh, well, you know what? One thing I think, regardless, is that we've proven ourselves to be uh, eminently compatible over the course of this. And that seems like perhaps as good a, a denouement as any on this particular week. Um we will be, um, I hope we do this again next week when we can discuss what happened. Just in closing, do you have an mm -hmm. opinion on quite where, if Yard were to win, where would it match on the scale of upsets involving a British fighter? Do you, where would you slot it in there? In terms of, you know, you've got Robinson, Turpin, yeah. you've got Huntington Curry. Yeah. Quite yeah. What level of stock do you think it would register in closing? Boy, well, I think it's, Beterbiev is still like a new ingredient in the in the grand scheme of boxing. So I don't think it would hit either of those two things with me. I don't think it will come close to that. But but if I look at it skill-wise, if I look at them just on a skill basis and not on what's promoted, not on one's abil potential ability and all the rest of that, like I see Beterbiev being around for a long time, be able to do a lot of great things. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about just like like superficially it would be behind those two but it would still be it would still be i would be shocked i would be shocked if he if he wins this fight it would be it would be an upset not obviously not tyson douglas level for a lot of people although i did think Ty douglas could do it and i did say that to many people <laughs> but um but i i don't see this as as touching that but it would be massive okay <laughs> Let's come next week and just see how our expectations were confirmed or confounded. In the meantime, yeah, and, and, um, I'm sorry for vacillating. I'm all over the place, but we'll get it together. All right. All good. Okay. Next week, Silk. In the meantime, all we right. love you. Peace, sugar. Yeah, peace.
Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.